If you guys haven't already figured it out, I have a really weird sense of humor. There is a whole YouTube channel of those things where they take little kids and they get them to act out things and then adults who have nothing better to do with their life act them out to the voices of the little kids. It's great. So, okay. Uh, you guys inspired me last night on something. So, how many of you all were here last year during Teen Week? Okay. I was a little disappointed when I got here and Tony Glass was not here with his youth group. And the reason being, for those of you who were here, you remember one morning uh, we kind of had like a little dance contest-ish. Do you all remember that? Like those two kids are up here like popping and locking and polka dotting and all that kind of fun. Yeah, it wasn't a whole lot of a contest. Yeah, it was just like those guys up here just kind of. Being like, yeah, we're awesome. You all aren't because we can do this. And I was like, yeah, I could totally do that. But once this body goes in motion, you don't want to see it continue in motion at all. So here's why I said you guys inspired me. Tonight, I was going to spring this on you this morning, but I decided, no, I'll be nice. Tonight, you have all morning to dread this or all day to dread this. Actually, you know what would be really funny? We're going to do this for a second day in a row. Tell Jordan that we have a surprise for her. Again. <laughs> okay? I'm not going to tell you how it's going to be a surprise for Jordan, because some of you, all of you would tell her. Okay? If she asks you, just go, you're going to love it. Okay? That's the, that's the only thing you have to say. But we are going to have a dance-off tonight, just for entertainment purposes, okay? But I've already chosen the song, and this is a very special request by one Miss Rachel, who has been leading you guys this whole week. So I'm going to give you a little sample of the song for tonight, but I'm not going to give you a sample of the dance moves. I'll show you my dance moves, though. I love the groan that goes over the entire crowd when they hear this song. <laughs> They're all like, oh. Okay, that's all you get. Okay. So that's what we are going to do tonight. Of which Jordan will be a part somehow. I'm just not going to tell you how she is. So, uh, just to let you guys know, I have lost what it was I was going to do. Yeah, I told you guys I'm I'm not really like a comic book nerd, per se. Okay, eh, eh, eh. I guess you could say that. I enjoy comic books. I enjoy superheroes. And it's not on here. Hey, Uncle Paul, will you do me a favor? On the, uh, on my Mac. Nope, I got it. It's here. Okay. Uh, I just had to reboot a little bit. Um, I'm not, I'm not like big into, into costumes or anything. Like this right here is about as costumed up as I get a lot of times. But when I was little, like I loved it. But my problem with, with costumes was never knowing who to go as. Um, 
you know, because I liked Superman, I liked Batman, I liked, you know, these these people. I actually have a picture. I'm not going to show you guys. Um, I might later. Uh, I have this picture of me dressed up in a superhero costume with my niece and my nephew who are wearing the exact same costume. It's actually a really cute picture, if I do say so myself. Um, but I've never been as bad as this guy who really could not decide what he wanted to be for Halloween. Uh He's, he was like, I didn't know which Avenger to go as, so I went as all of them. Just in case you're wondering, I'm not going to step on your guitars, I promise. Uh, we've got Nick Fury. We've got Iron Man. We've got Thor. We've got Iron Man again. We've got Captain America, uh, Hawkeye, the Hulk. I don't think he went as Black Widow, and that's probably a good thing, because that would have been scary. <laughs> but... There he is. Now, I know a guy that would have done this, and he would have been awesome at it. Well, I just couldn't do it. So then I, I was kind of looking around, you know, because I like to have some fun. And I kind of, you know, would have loved to have done that. But then it kind of hit me, you know, what if? Like, what if Batman had actually been raised by like Jonathan and Martha Kent. And those of you who don't know who those people are, those are Superman's parents. Like, what if Batman would have been raised by them and they would have been murdered? What would the Batmobile have looked like? These are the questions that go through my mind sometimes. It's, it's messed up up there. But I think I found out what it would be like if Batman were a redneck. Like, yeah, the bat tractor, exactly. Like, if Batman were a redneck, right, there it would be. I could just see the Joker chasing him on, like, uh, my brain just completely left me. Um, a lawnmower, no. No, one of those harvesters, one of the one of the big uh, corn harvesters, that was it. You can just imagine, like, this purple and green harvester, like, chasing chasing Batman down. So, uh, so yeah, those are some of the things that go through my through, through my head sometimes. Hey, let's have a dance contest. I wonder which Avenger I would go go as if I were like dressing up as Halloween. And what if Batman were raised by Martha and Jonathan Kent and needed a Batmobile? Like, you know, that's amazing. Commissioner Gordon calls up and goes, "Hey, Batman, we need you." He goes, "Okay, I can go ten miles an hour. I'll be there in four days." You know. So, of course that you know. They needed to show the rear end of that thing, because I'm sure it's got, like, a jet engine on the rear end of it, you know, because that would be pretty cool. So these are just kind of the things that go through my head. Uh, this morning, I didn't trick you all. I wore this T-shirt on purpose all morning. And uh, Bryce comes up to me, and he goes, he goes you're going you're gonna to talk about Iron Man this morning, aren't you? And I went, No. Because what you have on the Iron Man T-shirt, I'm like, I wore a Mighty Mouse T-shirt last night. He goes, Yeah, but I am. We're going to talk about Iron Man this morning. So, uh, wasn't really a big Iron Man fan growing up, but then the movies came out, and uh, I watched them, and they're they're pretty cool. Uh, I'm glad that the Avengers was not Iron Man three. I'm glad that I actually kind of like you know mixed it up a little bit. 
But the things that I like about the Iron Man movies are, are sometimes the things that I see in myself. You see, a lot of times, and, I, and I've used this phrase a lot, sometimes the problems or the faults that we see in other people are, are reflections of ourselves. Like they're the things that we see wrong with ourselves. Can you poke him? <laughs> I love how everybody turns around and looks. Okay. Uh, see, I told you, I have no problems calling you out. Do not fall asleep. Um, so, yeah, like sometimes the things that we see in other people that we don't like are sometimes the way that we are. Uh, the, the opposite is also true. True. Sometimes the things that you see in people that you kind of like, you tend to kind of be that way because you tend to kind of group yourself with people that are kind of like you. Um, I like the fact that Iron Man is just kind of there. You know, you've got, you've got Superman who has, you know, his secret identity, which I think is, is awesome. You know, hey, I'm Clark Kent. Hey, I'm Superman. You know, with me, it's like, hey, I can see you. Hey, there's blurs everywhere. And then with Batman, you've got like, I am Batman. I can buy anything I want to. You know, and it's like Superman has to have an identity, and Batman's like, I must wear the mask to protect the people. And then you've got Iron Man that's like, forget it. I'm Iron Man. Here I am. Like, come at me. You know? Like, he's just he's just kind of in there. And he's just like, yeah, this is who I am. I don't care. Like, I've got the suit. I'm ready. Let's go. And then, like, they start attacking his family, and he's like, why are they doing this? You know? But he's like, he's sarcastic, and he's just like in your face kind of a thing. And, and I like that. I'm probably messed up because I like that. But I like that. But we're, we're, we're going to look at Iron Man this morning. Um, I kind of have like on a, a more vintage style Iron Man. Uh, we'll kind of get into that too. But uh, So we see Tony Stark. You know, he's got it all. He's got the glamour. He's got the achievement. He's got money. He's smart. He's an inventor. He's a technician. He's doing weapons research. He's good looking. I can say that with all confidence that he's a good looking person. Um, all of my friends who are girls like to tell me how good looking Iron Man is. It uh, kind of knocks your self-esteem down a few notches, but it's okay. Uh, his life is nothing but the best. Although, side trip, I loved it in the first movie where he's, he's rescued and he comes back to the States. And he's like, I want an American cheeseburger. And he goes to Burger King. Like, of all places, he goes to Burger King. He's like, I want an American burger. And he pulls up, and there's, he's got Burger King wrappers in his hands. Like, uh, I don't like Burger King. Um, so here we go, going, kind of going back to his origins. Uh, the movie kind of did it right. If you're, if you're a true Iron Man fan, they didn't do it at all. But here, here's, here's how the movie and his original, like, his actual origins. Uh, he's, he's at a field test just, you know, kind of like in the movie. But this difference is he's in the jungle during, like, the Vietnam War. And he's kind of walking through the jungle, and he sets off a tripwire, which sets off a landmine, which blows up and kills everybody that's with him. He survives. Uh, he's taken hostage, just like in the movie. But they think he's a politician because of the way he's dressed. They have no clue who he is. Uh, and then, just like the movie, he's got shrapnel. 
like embedded in his body because of the explosion. Uh, they realize who he is. They want him to create a weapon. He pretends to cooperate. He creates this machine that's a suit that he wears to defeat his captors. They give him an assistant to help him out. The assistant tries to help him get into the suit. It won't power up. It's sounding a lot like the movie, right? His little helper runs off. He's gunned down. Iron Man comes out, kills everybody to avenge those deaths. So you see, they, they, they kind of got it a little bit. So you, you kind of you know where, where Iron Man came from. The suit changes over time. The funny thing about that is it kind of changes to whatever he needs it to be at that time. Like, I always thought that was kind of funny. You know, because in the movies, they're like, yeah, we're going to totally, like, arsenal this thing up. And then you kind of wonder where he puts all the gadgets and stuff. You know, like, the machine guns are popping up out of his arms and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's like, really? Where's all this stuff happening from? But see, here, here's how that applies to our life, and this is, this is just kind of a quick one. We, we can't invent something that's going to fix all of your problems. I mean, if you stay up late at night and watch infomercials, you think that they're going to sell you the miracle cure-all, you know. And I always liked Jeff Foxworthy, like, talking about, you know, that the symptoms or the, the side effects are always worse than the symptoms, you know. And, and that, that's kind of how, how our world is. It's like, hey, we've got this thing that will fix everything that you need, but the side effects are this. And sometimes the side effects are worse. And then somebody invents something to cure you from the side effects. But its side effects just kind of bring you right back around to you need this original thing because it's just like this big circular. So, so we're always trying to fix, like, our lives. But we can't. It's just not that way. So, you know, his suit changes over time to when he needs something different. Our life is, is, is sort of the same way. You see... A lot of times I'll be reading something during my, during my quiet time, and I'll be like, man, this, this doesn't apply to me at all. But it'll stick with me. And then sometime later something will come up, and I'll remember that quiet time. And I'll go, oh, yeah, that's what that was for. You see, God is equipping us. Remember, I kind of I told you about that situation that kind of hit me pretty hard last year and, and almost flattened me out. For six months prior to that happening, God had been teaching me about unconditional love and what unconditional love meant and what it looked like and and, and how to share it with somebody else and how to receive it when somebody tries to give it back. And for six months, that, that happened. And I was like, why? Like, why has this just been in my life for six months? And then that happened. And my whole world changed, and that night I pulled out all of my notes from those six months of studying, and I just began to type. And I wrote a five-page paper, and I know all of you all are like, ooh, papers. But I did. Single-spaced, one-inch margins, like not this one-and-a-half-inch stuff that you all get to do now. Uh, Single-spaced, five pages. I was up all night typing it up. And when I got done, I could go back and I could read and I could see where everything God had been teaching me was going to impact me at that moment. So you see, our, our lives are constantly changing and, and the things that we need to know, the things that we need to put on ourselves or like in ourselves changes on a daily basis. Some of us on a, on a minute-by-minute basis. 
So here we go. We believe things will fix our problems. If we use these crutches in order to survive, you know, we hope. I think one of the funniest things, I don't know how many of you all actually go to um, Lifeway, Christian stores. And I haven't been in there in a while, but I always used to go and laugh because they have a Christian self-help section. Like there's actually a self-help section in a Christian bookstore. And I always thought the self-help section in a Christian bookstore, Christian bookstore should be like where the Bibles are sold. It's like walk in like self-help, self-help. Hey, there it is. And then there's like every version of the Bible right there. You know, not what some psychiatrist says or what some dietitian says. You know, boom, there's the Bible. So I just always thought that was kind of funny. But we believe that, that things will fix our problems. How many of y'all have ever heard of the thigh master? Wow. Okay, a few people. Okay, the thigh master pretty much started the personal at-home training, and it was this weird V-shaped instrument that you put between your knees and, like, worked your knees back and forth, and it was supposed to build up your thigh muscles. And then when they couldn't sell thigh masters anymore, when they couldn't sell thigh masters anymore, uh, what they did was they were like, you know what? We found a new way to use a thigh master. And they're like, you put one of them on, you put one side on your chest, you put one side out here, and you start squeezing it, and you build up your biceps. And I mean, this just went on and on and on. And now you've got like Bowflex and like all these different things. So we're always looking for something that's going to be like that quick fix, you know, like that one thing that, that, that we desperately need. <clears throat> uh, so, so we're constantly looking for that. But we're using those as crutches. You know, we're like, hey, you know, this will get me through to this next part. This will get me through to this next one. And, and we're constantly looking for something like that. But it's like we talked about last night. Those are things that hold us back. Those are things that actually hold you back from, from, from doing what it is that God wants you to do. You see, in the life of King David, King David is a lot like Tony Stark. Or Tony Stark is a lot like King David. Good looking, lots of women in his life. There's fame. He's a hero. He's wealthy. He literally has the keys to the kingdom. That's why we call him King David. But all of these eventually are going to lead to his downfall. The most famous success story in all of David's life, David and Goliath. We all know the story. David is the underdog. <clears throat> Sorry. David is the under, underdog. They're going up against the Philistines. Now here's something, and this is, I, I like these nifty little moments. The Philistines had a very sophisticated technology at this time. And it made them virtually unstoppable. It wasn't drone warfare. The Philistines had figured out how to manipulate iron. And it made them almost unstoppable. They had the strongest armor, the, the best weapons. They'd figured out how to manipulate and use iron. And everybody else was far behind them in this technology. In case you didn't get that, we're talking about Iron Man. They have iron. Okay. Just wanted to help you out a little bit there. So we find this story in 1 Samuel, uh, chapter number 17, beginning in verse 31. It says, when the words that David were spoke, 
spoke were heard. They were repeated then before Saul, and he sent for him. Now, what David had said was David goes into the camp to visit his brothers who were in the army, and he hears Goliath taunting the Israelites and talking about how their God can't defeat him and how they're weak. And David's like, why is nobody stepping up? So David at this time is just a little teenager, just a little runt. And he, he goes around and he's like, why is nobody doing anything? And this, this message gets to Saul. And so Saul sends for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. David's a shepherd. He watches sheep. He's the youngest one in his family, and he has to watch the sheep while his brothers are off to war. And here he says, I'll go fight this guy. Nobody else will. I will. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant, I love this, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. Excuse me. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him with his beard and struck him and killed him. Monday night, Uncle Paul and I were, were here in the chapel, and we were sitting back there just kind of unwinding and talking and waiting for the podcast to upload. We shut off all the lights. We walk outside, and both of us stop dead in our tracks because there's a noise that neither one of us has ever heard. And it was kind of scary. And when I tell you what we think it is, you're just going to laugh. But it was scary because you walk out and you just hear this like, like going on and on. It was like raccoons or a fox or something, but they were like going at each other over here just behind this little log bench out here. And we both just kind of stopped. And we just kind of waited. And then like they just kind of moved down over the hill and Uncle Paul and I kind of took a couple more steps and then we heard them and we stopped again. I mean, a raccoon, right? You're like, oh, they're so cute. Yeah, until they're rabid, and then they're nuts. You know? So, you know, every time they moved, we moved. You know, when we were talking, they were quiet. When they started making their noise, we'd stop. But here's David, and he goes, yeah, I may be like a little kid, but if a bear or a lion ever took one of my sheep, like took one of my lambs, I chased them down. And I got it back. Not only did I get it back, if they tried to come at me, come at me, bro. Like, if they tried to come at me, I beat them down. Like, I beat them to death. Some translations actually talk about, like, like he's like, I, I killed them with my bare hands. Bare hands, yeah. I killed them with my bare hands. <clears throat> but that's, that's what David says. David's like, what he's saying is, I faced a lion and a bear, this nine-foot-tall idiot is not going to be an issue. He says, your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. But here's why David could say what he said. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. 
You see, at this moment in David's life, he understands that the result is not going to be decided with technology or with weaponry. He knows that it's going to be based off of who trusts and relies on God. Now, if one of you all would have come up to me and been like, hey, Jared, hey, Uncle Paul, I'm a raccoon hunter. Good, you're nuts. Have at it. That's exactly what Paul does, or what Saul does. Saul goes, Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Here's how much confidence Saul had. He told David, he goes, but wait, 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 wait. Put on my armor. And David puts on Saul's armor, and it would almost be, come here. How you doing? Okay, awesome. Okay, here, turn around and face him. Okay, I'm standing behind him just for comparison. Like, imagine if he was trying to wear my, like, my shirts. I'm not going to swap shirts with him, I promise. Because this would be worse than a schmedium. Um, but, I mean, just imagine. Am I embarrassing you? No, Okay. But, I mean, just, just imagine that. I mean, like, the size comparison, yeah, this isn't going to work. But that's what, that's what Saul does. He goes, here, take my armor. And David, like, puts it on. And I can just imagine him trying to, like, peep up over top of, like, the shield. Going, I, yeah, this isn't going to work. Okay, you can go sit So David, like, throws that aside. And we know the story. He goes down to the river, and he picks up five stones, and he grabs his sling. And he goes down, and, and Goliath laughs, and he goes, who, who are you all that you send this runt after me? And David's like, God's going to kill you. And Goliath goes, yeah, right, little boy. And David goes, and when he does, I'm going to take your sword and cut off your head. And Goliath's like, okay. Yeah, he's like, you're gone. So David's standing there, and, you know, we all know the, the Vacation Bible School song, if you ever had it, and it's like, you know, one little stone went into the sling, and the sling went round and round, and round and round and round and round and round and round and round. And one little stone went up in the air, whack, and the giant came tumbling down. Okay, it's about as close as you're going to get to me singing to you. So Goliath, Goliath falls. David, David's defeated him. Here, here's why I threw in the part about David using Goliath's sword. The very technology that the Philistines were, were hiding behind was the very thing that defeated them. Yeah, David struck him with a stone, but David used their symbol of power, their iron, to truly defeat him. You know, the Bible tells us that the stone killed him. But just to prove that it had killed him, David cut off his head. There ain't no coming back from that. I know that my grammar was just atrocious on that one. So Goliath's there with David. But I love this, because I, I kind of got ahead of myself, but I want you guys to see this. Here's, here's David's dialogue with him. It says, and all that we're, David says, and, all that, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. I, 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 just, I love that. Because David went in there confidently, on fire for God. But then... We flash, 
we flash forward and David's focus has changed. He's the king now. He has many wives. The reason he has many wives is because if one of them made him angry, he just divorced them and got another one. He has lots of girlfriends. But none so much that he sees Bathsheba, and you all know this story. And he, he, he wanted her so badly that he had her husband murdered so that way he could have her. Does, it, does that sound like the same guy that was standing there proclaiming this in front of, in front of the giant? We, we, we see where he does this. You see, when we can have everything and we can take anything that we want, we stop relying on God. And that's a dangerous place to be. When you start relying on the things around you and, and the possessions that you have or uh, the money that you have or, or anything like that, and you start relying on that, you're, you're heading down a very dangerous path. You see, the reason that I, that I ordered this T-shirt when I was going to be talking about Iron Man is because of one word, invincible, unstoppable. Nothing can match him. He's still human. There's still something that's going to get him. But see, he relies on his technology. He relies on his things. He relies on the people that are around him. That's where their downfall comes. They stopped relying, or David stopped relying on the one who was there for him. He stopped relying on God. Here's what happened when that, when that happened. David gets Bathsheba. She gets pregnant. They have a son, or they have a child. That baby dies soon after it was born. David has another son, Absalom, who fights and kills his brother, his own brother, Amnon, for some things that had happened. David's kingdom is falling apart. It begins to split. Absalom is later hunted down and murdered by David's trusted general. Even after David said, when you find him, bring him back alive. Don't kill him. He's my son. I don't care what he's done against me. He's my son. But Joab kills him anyway. Decades after David's death, his kingdom was split in two. Civil wars, never been reunited. Because David lost focus. He lost sight of what was important. He stopped relying on God. He had a complete 180 degree turn from this point. And you see, a lot of you all are going to do that this week. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to hear a message or you're going to hear a song and something's going to change in your heart. And you're going to be like, you're like, yes, like there's nobody that can come against me with sword or spear. The battle is the Lord's and, and he's awesome. And for some of you, that's going to stick. And for some of you, that's just kind of going to fall by the wayside like everything else. Because you're going to stop relying on God. You're going to start relying more on yourself. But you see, what good is a curse or a crutch if there's not a cure? Both Tony and David had lived lives or had lives ruined when they focused on the wrong thing. David actually has moments of clarity. Psalm 28, verse 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts. And with my song, I give him thanks. See, the Psalms are full of times where David has, has been at his very lowest and God brings him up and he writes these Psalms. Uh, this one didn't in my notes, but Psalm 23. 
the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I mean, like all throughout the Psalms, David is, David is focusing on God. He knows it's not about traditional weapons and armor because he calls the Lord my strength and my shield. The Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, about the armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The whole armor of God. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You see, Iron Man, Tony Stark, built this armor that he thought would save him from anything. And constantly we see him defeated. He's relying on his own technology. And God said, if you put my armor on you, There's nothing that can stand against you. There's nothing flesh and blood. Principalities and powers are talking about like spiritual warfare. There's nothing that can stand against you. The guy we've been quoting from most of the week that wrote the the book, Who Needs a Superhero? He says this, Michael Brewer. He says, money, technology, and success are the exalted trinity of our achievement-driven culture. But these false gods cannot save us. See, the world tells you that in order to be successful, in order to be awesome, you have to have these three things. Money, technology, and success. And you all are like, technology? Yeah, I know. I'm going to sound like like some other people. Technology. This is an iPhone 4. I'm not ashamed of the fact I have an iPhone 4. Some of my friends are like, you still have an iPhone 4? Yeah. Why haven't you upgraded to the 5? Because this still works. This thing has been in three lakes, four pools, uh, like a kitchen sink. Um, I left it in a freezer one time. It still likes me. It still cooperates. The best, this is going to sound funny, I have a life jacket for this. Like it actually fits around this. And it came in handy one time. This thing flew off my jet ski. I thought I had it strapped down. I didn't. It flies off my jet ski. I had to turn around and there's this orange piece of foam floating in the lake. And I rode up and picked up my phone and there it was. But you see, they tell us that that in order to be successful or in order to be like the people that we need to be, you have to have money. You have to have technology. You have to have the latest and greatest. You have to be successful. And we kind of hit on this. I hit on this a little bit last night when I got on my soapbox talking about faux celebrities that we've made famous and they don't contribute anything. But they're successful. They have fashion lines. They have perfumes. They have jewelry. They have whatever. Like, why Justin Bieber is famous, I will never understand. I'm just, 
Now, here's what's funny. A lot of you all that are going, uh-huh, are the same little girls like a few years back when Justin Bieber came out. Y'all are like, Justin Bieber! And it's like, yeah, awesome. And now you all are like, Justin Bieber, Urgh. So, it's okay. I understand. Like, my six-year-old niece is like, I don't like Justin Bieber. I'm like, well, that's good. And she goes, I used to but I don't anymore, but my brother does, and he's like, I do not, so, you know, you know, it's okay, don't be ashamed if you were a believer, it's okay, I understand, it's like, baby, baby, Um, but you see, what he says here is, we have set these things on such a high platform that we think that unless we have this, We're not a success. We're not important. Do you want to know who I see as important? You don't have to look any further than this camp. I have known Uncle Paul, and I'm not just throwing him out there. I have known Uncle Paul since I was a little younger. I'm not going to say how much younger because I don't like to tell him how many decades I've actually known Uncle Paul. But I, I, I love Uncle Paul, and I, I have known Uncle Paul for so many years. And, and, and I see him, and, and he, he's the kind of person that I want to be. And then I went and saw my, my nieces and my nephew before I came over here Monday. And my nephew, who is about the same age that I was when I first met Uncle Paul, He's like, my mama told me that you're going to Camp Tapawingo with Uncle Paul. And I said, yeah. He goes, I love Uncle Paul. I'm like, you do? And he goes, yeah, he does magic. And I'm like, yeah, he does. And he was like, so you get to hang out with Uncle Paul all week? Yeah. He goes, will you FaceTime me with Uncle Paul? Yeah. We haven't got to yet. I think he's grounded from his iPod, so we can't FaceTime right now. But I, but I see people like Uncle Paul, and I see people like Mr. Dave and, and, and Miss Kathy and all of the staff that's here, where they're giving their lives for you guys. It's not about the money. It's not about the success. Success to them, hey, guys, I'm talking. Success to them is not measured by how much money they have or how much stuff they can accumulate. Success to them is how much bigger the kingdom of God gets because of the work that he's allowing them to do. That's what true success is. It's not about how much you can acquire. It's about that. In Psalm 51, David writes again, and, and he knows success is not, has not brought him happiness or peace. He says, I've acquired all of this. It, it, it has, it's brought me nothing. It's not about more wives, more money, more iron, more technology, more power. He has all that the world can offer, but he still wants more. But he wants more not in the way that the rich young ruler wanted more, where the rich young ruler goes, what else do I need to do? What else can I obtain? What else can I, can I give out? David knows that he needs more. In Psalm 51, verse 10, he says, Create in me... A clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. 
David's kind of like the tin man from the Wizard of Oz. He goes, if I only had a heart. David goes, God, the heart that I have in me has grown cold. It's grown hard. It's grown callous. It, it, it doesn't seek after the right things. God, create in me a new heart and renew my spirit. He needed a new heart. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, verse 26, we see this. It says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put within you, or a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Ezekiel is speaking for God to the children of Israel, and he says, just come to me, and I will give you a new heart. I will give you a new spirit. A lot of us are at that point right now where we've grown cold to the things of God, where we don't see importance in that because we're too busy acquiring stuff. You know, I, kind of going back to the technology thing, I was talking to Uncle Paul, and I went, I don't know how I'd survive without my iPhone. And it was like as soon as those words came out of my mouth, I was like, you idiot. You survived 30 years without an iPhone. People are like, yeah, but like you put stuff in there and you remember it. I forget to put stuff in there. Like that thing, <laughs> it's a phone. Like I could live without that. You all have no idea how, how, how I used to live. I used to leave Bristol where I grew up, and I used to drive to Chattanooga, where I, went to, where I went to college. And back then, caller ID boxes, not caller ID in your phone, caller ID boxes. It was a box that you plugged your phone line into. You ran a phone line out to your house phone because cell phones were like bricks back then. I used to call home. When I made it home, because I didn't have a cell phone. So when I made it to Chattanooga, I used to call home and go, hey, mom, hey, dad, I made it. But I started relying on technology. I started relying on that, on that caller ID box to pop up my phone number. So that way, because it, it time stamped it. There was a date, there was a time, there was my phone number. So if they didn't answer, they could go home, they could check that box, they could see that I was fine. So one night, I drove to Chattanooga, I called home. It rang, it rang, it rang, it rang, it rang. I went, caller IDs picked up. I hung up. I went out. And I was out till probably about 11, 11.30, midnight, something like that. When I got back into my dorm room, there were 14 messages on my answering machine. And the only reason there was 14 on it was that's all it would hold. An answering machine is a box that had a tape in it. A tape is a precursor to a CD. It had, like, ribbon that you recorded. Okay. So I had this answering machine, and I hit the play button, and it rewinds. It went backwards. Please be kind. Please rewind. Uh, so I'm listening to it, and it's, hey, bud, just trying to make sure you made it. Call us. Beep. Next message. Hey, bud, um, it's been five minutes. Give us a call. Beep. Jared, you need to call us. Beep. 
This goes on. Finally, the last one is, if you don't call us, we're coming down there. Click. Okay. So I call home. My dad goes, where have you been? I've been here. Why didn't you call us? I did call you. We went through this whole thing, and he goes, you didn't call us. Yes, I did. I promise. I called you. No, you didn't, Jared. Yes, I did. That I called. The caller ID box should have picked it up. Then my dad says this statement, and it kind of turned everything around for me, but not for him. He goes, well, our electricity was off. I'm in Chattanooga. I can't help that. See, I was relying on technology to tell them that I was there. But my dad was mad because they didn't know that I was there. He goes, here, talk to your mother. And I went, okay. And he goes, nope, she doesn't want to talk to you. That's the worst. Like when your mom won't talk to you. She's worried about you. She's still angry because she hasn't heard from you, but she's happy that you're, like, not, like, being mauled by a bear in the middle of downtown Chattanooga. Um, But she's, like, excited that you're safe, but she doesn't want to talk to you because all she's going to do on the other end of the phone is, like, my baby. (laughs) You know, like, that's all that's going to happen. I love my mom. Like, okay, another side trip, I promise, and then I'm going to get back. In high school, I missed my curfew one night. I came home at 3.30 in the morning. Okay? I walk into the basement, which is where the garage is, and I'm walking up the stairs really quietly because my parents' bedroom is right at the top of the stairs. And I don't want to wake them up. Like, you know, I'm kind of thinking at this point, you know, they're asleep. I'm good. Because I had called them and said, hey, I'm going to be out a little late. I didn't realize a little late was going to be 3.30 in the morning. So I reach up, and as I start to turn the knob and I pull the door open, my mother is standing at the door. I almost fell down a flight of stairs. (laughs) And in the dark, my mom saw my eyes get big and my mouth drop open, and she goes, yep, you know you're in trouble. And she turns around and goes to bed. And I could not explain to my mom, I wasn't worried about getting in trouble, You scared me to death because I was not expecting somebody to be standing there. Like, this is the relationship that I have with my mom. Love her to death. But, you know, they got upset, and I was relying on that technology. And as much as I tried to explain my way out of it and make things better, I I couldn't. I finally just had to go, hey, you know what? If you don't hear from me or the police within two hours of me being somewhere, I'm good. Like, it was just kind of how it ended. My mom now... I'll call her when I got to Texas. I'm like, hey, I landed in Texas. I'm 34 years old, and I still call my mom to let her know I made it somewhere safe because I learned my lesson. I'm like, hey, I've landed. She goes, okay, good, love you, bye, click. I call her back. Did you need something else? Yeah, I love you. Oh, I love you too. Bye, click. What? Now I just text her. Love you, made it, we're good. All that meant absolutely nothing. But I love, I love this promise. If all you ask, if you ask for it, I'll give it to you. God created me a clean heart. Renew a spirit within me. Hey, David, guess what? I'll give you a new heart, and I'll give you a new spirit, and I'll put it inside of you. I'll take your heart of stone and make it into a heart of flesh. A lot of times we feel unfulfilled and unsatisfied with all of our things because we need something else we need something better we need something newer we need something that's better than the other person i was always the last kid to get something i always kind of figured that when i got it 
the fad was over. So when I got an iPhone, I'm like, they're going to come out with something that, like, implants into your brain, and I'm never going to get that, so I'm just going to be stuck with a phone. But luckily, iPhones have kept going, so I didn't kill that fad. But, but we're so unfulfilled and unsatisfied with all of our things. What we need to do is we need to examine our hearts and realize, just like David, that we need to turn away from the things the world tells us that we need. We need to pray the exact same thing that David did. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the truth of your word. Father, the truth that you, that you show us that if we ask for something, if we ask for a change, God, you'll, you'll, you'll give it to us. You'll, you'll give us a fresh start. God, you'll, you'll, you'll give us a fresh start to the point that you won't say, hey, do you remember that time that you did this? Father, the, the, the Bible tells us that, that when we come to you, when we give our hearts to you, that, Father, you, you separate our, our sins, you separate our iniquities as far as the east is from the west. Father, you don't, you don't remember them anymore. And, Father, I just want to thank you so very much for that truth. Father, this morning, that's what I want from you. I want a new heart. I want a fresh start. Father, give me a clean heart. Renew my spirit. Father, if there's somebody here that that, that is praying that same thing, Father, just just reach out to them. Father, just, just, just do a work in their life. Father, take their heart of stone. Break it away. Give them a fresh heart. Give them a heart of flesh that beats for you. Father, keep us safe today as we go throughout our activities. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for for their patience because I know the week's getting long and it's getting tiring. But, Father, continue to work in our lives. We thank you. We love you. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.